Welcome to the Hope Church Memphis podcast. To learn more about Hope, including our worship opportunities, visit HopeChurchMemphis.com. Today's message comes from Senior Associate Pastor Eli Morris. In the year 2000, a legendary cartoonist died. His name was Charles Schultz, and his comic strip was Peanuts. And those words, it was a dark and stormy night, began every novel that Snoopy attempted to write while perched atop his house, typewriter in hand. It was a dark and stormy night, Snoopy begins. So on one occasion, Lucy enters the next frame to do what she does best. She berates Snoopy for being dumb. In no uncertain terms, she tells him that any good story opens with once upon a time. And after giving him a few more put downs, she walks off. Final frame shows Snoopy beginning his story again. This time he types, once upon a time, It was a dark and stormy night. (laughs) Snoopy is never too sure what he's gonna write. And therefore, like many of us, when our future is uncertain, we often paint bleak pictures. When when I was 15 years old, I was in love. At least I, I, I assumed I was. But love at 15 can be awkward at best. How do you properly date somebody when you don't have your own, own car. I mean, it gets pretty old, old having dad drive you and your date around town. We'd, we'd sit in the car in stone silence until my dad could stand it no longer. And then he'd say things like, honey, and he actually called her honey. I, I wasn't even calling her honey. <laughs> honey, tell your dad that the yard sure looks nice. Or, uh, Did Eli tell you he's in the library club? (laughs) He'd never think to talk about the track team, just the library club. (laughs) Sherry's dad, by the way, uh, names have been changed to protect the innocent. (laughs) And, and, and and, And I didn't meet Patty, the love of my life, till I was in college, but Sherry's dad invited me to join the family on a week-long camping trip. We traveled to a God-forsaken campground in Missouri. 100 degrees and no TV. Teenager's nightmare. One afternoon, Sherry's dad offered us the canoe for a couple of hours, and I jumped at that chance. This was about as close as a 15-year-old could get to having his own car. So off we went. I knew very little about canoeing. But I did know this. I did know this, that if I was gonna impress this girl, I should sit in the rear of the canoe and steer the ship. The front seat is little more than an observation deck where one splashes in the water with his or her paddle. So I took the seat of power and significance in the rear of the canoe. For the first hour, we hit every log and every rock in the stream. We took every conceivable wrong turn. After our fourth spill, Sherry snatched the paddle from me and I found myself riding in the front of the canoe (laughs) feeling very much like a member of the library club, I'll have you say. (laughs) 
About the time we dried out from our last spill, we rounded this bend in the river and, and we're confronted with a, a strange sight. Downstream about 100 yards was a bridge and we could make out these large objects falling from the bridge into the dark water below. And as we drew closer, we could see that those objects were in fact people. They were boys about our age who were spending their Saturday afternoon taking the daring leap of some 50 feet from the side of the bridge into the swirling river below. These were the local boys, and they were having the time of their lives. Boom, they hit this water. Boom, they hit again. We pulled to the shore to watch. Now, the boys had seen us and were putting on quite a show for the city folks at this point, actually for the girl, I'm sure. At, at their urging, we climbed to the bridge and looked down from their diving platform. By the way, 50 feet is much higher from the top than it is from the bottom. I don't understand the math of it, but trust me. And my stomach tightened up. But, but I was very soon relieved when I saw the fear in Sherry's eyes. I knew that I'd, I'd never have to jump if she didn't jump. So I stood up straight, confident, as the local boys plunged time after time in the water. Boom! Then it happened. Sometimes I marvel at God's wonderful sense of humor. Sherry, you see, was sitting with her feet dangling off the side of the bridge when several wasps became enamored with her hairspray. Remember, this was 1969, okay? And, and, and these, these wasps attacked her head. She flailed wildly for a few moments, and then she did what I had known in my heart she'd never do. She jumped. And I rushed to the side of the bridge <laughs> just in time to see her hit. Boom! She surfaced, looked at me straight in the eye and said, it's great, you gotta try it. It was a dark and stormy night. <laughs> you ever found yourself standing on a bridge with troubled waters swirling beneath you? Maybe you're looking at trouble right now. Maybe you're in, in, in the middle of a legal mess. Or maybe you've been faced with a health problem the last couple of weeks. Or maybe a relationship that's over. Maybe you've lost or you're losing a loved one. Sometimes we live a life of survival. It's all we can do to function. The anxiety level is high. At other times, we find ourselves living a life of, of relative contentment. And if we're, if we're perfectly honest, this is where most of us live most of our lives. Yeah, they're problems, but on a bad day, they're simply annoyances. And on a good day, we might be strong enough to call them challenges. It's, a, it's, it's generally a, a canoe ride on a sunny day with just enough white water to kick the pulse rate, but, but no bridges to jump from. But the goal of today is to find out how God would have us live lives able to navigate the swirling water. How are we to handle adversity in our lives? Because for many of us, adversity can be our primary roadblock to a life of significance. 
Hard times can paralyze us. So, why, why do we have hard times? Here are the most common answers to the question, why do we have hard times? If you're in the middle of a difficult time in your life right now, what reason do you give? Here's one. Wrong place at the wrong time. You ever said that? Ever blamed your bad situation on lousy timing? It's easy to do, quite frankly. On a 10-mile run, it never starts sleeting on mile one or mile nine when you're close to home. It sleets every time at mile five, every time. Wrong place, wrong time. The man you love decides to get sober after the divorce, not before the marriage. Bad timing. Here's another answer we give when the hard times come. Bad choices. Bad choices. Now, there can be some real truth to that, can't there? When we make bad choices regarding what we eat or how much we drink or how much we work or how much we don't work, hard times can come our way. It's the law of the harvest. You reap what you sow. How about this answer? Satan is after us. Satan is after us. Have you ever said that? Have you ever sh shaken your fist at Satan when the wheels come off? I, I don't know if that's the reason you're having hard times, but it feels good to shake our fist at Satan. How about this answer? It's frankly the most spiritual answer to hard times. God is teaching us. God is teaching us. And listen, I agree with that answer, but listen to why I agree with it. I believe that there is a lesson from God in every breath we take. The breath of joy and the breath of pain. The problem that some people create with this answer is that some people construct a God who is looking to teach us by hammering us. And God comes across looking like the abusive parent who, who constantly beats his children for their own good. Do you want to know the reality of hard times? Here it is. Adversity and pain are a part of life. Adversity and pain are a part of life, and even God's people experience pain and brokenness. Sure, it, it, it's sometimes the consequences of things we've done. But more often than not, hard times are just a part of the ebb and flow of life. John 16, 33 has become one of the theme verses of Hope Church. We quote it all the time. It's Jesus talking, and he says, in this world, you will have trouble, but take heart. I have overcome the world. Why do we have hard times? Because in this world, we will have trouble, Jesus says. See, trouble is a biblical fact of life. So, what can we do when we're going through hard times? Here are a few ideas. Here's the first one. The right response to pain is to seek God. Now that's something you'd expect a preacher to say, right? But I say it because I believe it. The right response to pain is to seek God. Isaiah 55, three says, seek the Lord while you can find him. Call upon him now while he is near. Patty and I have, have three adult children, two great sons, and an amazing daughter. Here's a little quiz. Of the three children, which child has experienced a laceration of the forehead, eight stitches, a laceration of the chin, six stitches, 
a broken arm and a torn ACL. That's right, my hard-nosed little girl, that's who. Most especially when she was little, but even to some degree today, anytime she's hurt, anytime she's afraid, anytime she's confused, often her first response is to seek dad or to seek mom. It's instinctual. Because see, there's protection there. There's comfort there. Healing begins there. But how do we seek God? Well, for some of us, that's how we met God. That's how we met God. In our deepest despair, we cried out, God, if you are there, please help me. So we seek God by talking to him and listening to him. We, we talk through prayer and we listen to his words. It, it's not some complex, metaphysical, academic research project. It is speaking and being spoken to. I mean, isn't that unbelievable, though? That we can talk to God. I and mean, in our darkest and stormiest night, it's the first thing and the best thing to do. But in the middle of our pain, we need to do what is often the hardest thing to do, and it is this. We need to remember the blessings. We are so consumed by the pain, we never remember the blessings. Jeremiah writes these words in Lamentations 3. Because of the Lord's great love, we are not consumed. For his compassions never fail. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. In the middle of our craziness, though, we lose all perspective. We focus on the chaos, and we quickly forget the many, many, many blessings we have. There was a Christmas years ago that was a particularly difficult Christmas at Hope. Hope had four funerals during the week of Christmas that year, and, and this, we were not a big church then. And so everybody in the church knew somebody. There's an image that has stuck with me for years from that week. And it's not an image of sadness. It's not an image of despair. It's an image of hope. We had just finished a, a funeral service and we were in our cars headed to the cemetery. I was right behind the large black limo carrying the family. And I looked and I couldn't help but smile. I don't know what those cars are supposed to hold, but there must have been 20 people in that car. There were people sitting on top of people who were sitting on top of other people. When they, when they were all piling out, it looked like a circus act. They could have made other arrangements. There was another limo available, I'm sure. But in the midst of their stormy night, they had decided to remember their blessings. And so for some that day, their blessings sat right in their lap on the way to the graveside. Here's another idea. Be honest with God. Be honest with God. Some of us are afraid to tell God how we feel when we're in crisis. Listen, I got some good news for you today. God's a big boy. God is a big boy. He can, ha he can handle what you have to say. He knows it anyway, right? You're not gonna tell him something. He goes, oh my gosh, I had no idea. He knows it. And he knows your heart. Can, let me ask you this. Can you get any tougher on God than what David had to say in Psalm 22, 1? 
my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why do you refuse to help me or even to listen to my groans? Day and night I keep on weeping, crying for your help, but there is no reply. That is a hurting brother right there. And when the hurting finally stopped and he could begin to think clearly, he knew that God had never left his side. But when he was battling the storm, he felt so very alone and he had the guts to tell God about it. You know what's healthy about that? When we are brutally honest with God, it shows that we are committed to the relationship. And we can say hard things to him. We don't walk away from God, we wrestle with him. Here's another idea. Simply, do the right thing. Just do the right thing. The author of Hebrews, this is one of my favorite passages in all of scripture. Author of Hebrews says, therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, uh, those who have gone before us, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles, and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. Let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. As you attempt to work through the pain, the author of Hebrews says, throw off everything that hinders you, whatever it might be, including the sin that entangles you, that ties you up. And then he says, run with perseverance, the race marked out for you, fixing your eyes on Jesus. You know, I'm more and more convinced that nothing heals a broken heart like a servant's heart. And when we fix our eyes on Jesus, we become more like Jesus, a humble servant. For many of us, our greatest healing comes when we, when we transition from focusing on us to focusing on other people. So what can, what can we expect from God during these hard times? In my experience, you can expect at least four things. Here's the first. You can expect his presence. You can expect his presence. Psalm 121 says this. I lift up my eyes to the hills. From where does my help come? My help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. He will not let your foot be moved. He who keeps you will not slumber. He who keeps you will not slumber or sleep. The Lord is your keeper. The Lord is your shade on your right hand. The sun shall not strike you by day, nor the moon by night. The Lord will keep you from all evil. He will keep your life. The Lord will keep your going out and your coming in from this time forth and forevermore. When the wheels come off, listen to me. When the wheels come off, your family may leave you. Your friends may leave you. Your small group may leave you. Your church may leave you. God will never leave you. God will never leave you. You can also expect his direction. In my mind, it would be sinister of God. It would be sinister of God. It would be against his character to place us on this earth, call us into his family, and give us no direction for living. It'd be evil on his part. But Isaiah 2.5 says this, 
let us walk in the light of the Lord. And God's flashlight for our dark and stormy night is his word. In our most anxious moments, we need to grope for that flashlight. You can also expect his comfort. Jesus himself says this in Matthew 11. He says, come to me and I will give you rest. All of you who work so hard beneath a heavy yoke, wear my yoke, he says, for it fits perfectly. And let me teach you, for I am gentle and humble, and you shall find rest for your souls. The image he's painting there is that, that, that image of two oxen that are yoked together. And Jesus is saying, yoke yourself to me. I got this. I got this. We can expect comfort from God. And see, the most reassuring thing about this comfort that he provides is that our God has lived through our sorrows. Because see, our God came to earth. Our God lived our lives. The Bible tells us that Jesus was a man of sorrows, that he was well acquainted with grief. We can expect comfort from such a God. But what is the final thing that we can expect from God in our darkest hours? I've come to believe that we can expect his restoration. We can expect his restoration. Paul writes these words in 2 Corinthians 4. He says, but we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that this all-surpassing power is from God and not from us. We're just these earthen vessels. He says, we are hard-pressed on every side but not crushed, perplexed but not in despair, persecuted but not abandoned, struck down but not destroyed, God wants to repair broken hearts. God wants to begin new lives. That's why this church is called Hope. We could have named it a lot of things. Elvis Prez was an option. I don't think you can go to hell for that, but why try? You know, don't even chance it. We named it Hope. So there I stood on that nameless bridge in Missouri with my heart beating wildly, perspiration pouring down my face, and my dark and stormy night of fear was over as soon as my body cut through the water below. And I crawled, dripping into the canoe, and headed home. The story seems almost silly, as I recall it now, but it wasn't silly to a frightened 15-year-old boy that day, uncertain of his fate. Nor is your story silly if you feel the pains of loss or fear or displacement in your own heart. So let us throw off everything that hinders us and the sin that so easily entangles us and let us run with perseverance, the race marked out for us. Let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. Let's pray together. Father, we are humbled by your love for us. We are humbled by your presence in our lives. We are humbled by your word and the direction you give us. We are humbled that you give us 
like-minded friends and family to journey with us on this adventure. Father, most of all, we are humbled by your love for us. I will never fully understand it, but I will be forever grateful for it. So help us in our anxiety, in our torture, in our pain, and in our fear to know that you are God and that we have none other. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Hope Church Memphis podcast. I'm Daniel Oppenheisen, Musical Worship Director at Hope. If you were encouraged by today's message, hit subscribe wherever you stream your podcasts. To experience previous messages, videos, and our live worship experience, visit the Hope Church Memphis YouTube channel and follow us on Facebook and Instagram. Again, thanks for listening to the Hope Church Memphis podcast.